Welcome back to Millennial Z and Boomer X. I am Boomer X. And I am Millennial Z. And today we're talking about retaining employees during the big quit or great resignation. And how do you do that? Really? I mean, practically, as opposed to the uh, nonsense that I see written down by people who never had employees and perhaps haven't been an employee. Uh, many of them are contract writers for different journals, newspapers, or websites. And I see some things going out by different uh, magazine journalists. And, and it seems like they think they have an idea, but they really don't know how to go about doing it. So us, it's different. Uh, I've been an employee and a manager and a business owner. Uh, you certainly have been an employee for different places. Yep. Uh, so we can offer, I think, more practical solutions. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, I want to address the what they did right. And I'm going to use them. They all said it in different ways, of course, but they, many of them sounded similarly in the way they presented it. And one is I found on um, February 9th uh, by shrm.org, which was an employer organizational group. And it offered six things on how to retain employees during great resignation. The first two, connect with staffers on a regular basis and listen to employees. Uh, that was the first two, which I found funny because if you're doing the first one, shouldn't you already be doing the second one? I mean, what's right. the point of uh, <laughs> connecting with your employees if you're not listening to them? So connecting, mean, they want you to stand up and just talk at them all the time. That's one of the reasons employees leave, I think. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned in a previous podcast about the big quit and great resignation, um, when employees don't feel like they matter, they leave yeah it sounds like that article writer had had to make six reasons and they squeezed out two from <laughs> one yeah it, it almost sounds that way but it, it it i think they were intelligent enough to understand that one doesn't necessarily mean the other but yeah they, but how do you connect without doing the other you can't connect you're not honestly connecting that's for sure right. you, you're just uh, running Showing out. your face. Yeah. Right. You're just running. Hey, I'm here. Anyway, right. going to the office. <laughs> <laughs> Telling them what to do as opposed to listening for their input. And we mentioned it before. If your employees are happy with the pay, and many are, but they leave anyway, that means there's something else. There's another reason they're leaving. And that, that thing of no communication with their employees, if your employees feel like you're not approachable or they can't talk to you or you don't listen and they can't explain what's wrong while they're trying to do the job that you hired them to do, their days there are numbered. Right. They're not going to stick around for very long. And that's a fundamental thing. I don't know why that's a that's such a big idea. But to list it that way about connecting and then number two, listen. So implying that you constantly connect them, but you don't always have to listen to them. And right. I'm going to tell you, that's the exact wrong attitude to have. You should listen to them every time, even if you know what they tell her, what they are telling you is repetitive or nonsensical. Listen to them. Treat them like they matter. Yeah. Morning, John, Jimmy, Tim, Tom. It's <laughs> it's Sean, sir. Oh, Sean, right. 
Ah, you know who you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've actually heard that one. You know, of course. And <laughs> and that leads to the third one they list as show appreciation. Now, the biggest way you can show appreciation, and I can hear people out there hollering already, pay me. That's why I have a job. And that's right. the truth. Pay them appropriately, especially if down the street they're paying them 10% more and you're aware of it, they're aware of it, and, they, and you're getting warning signs that people aren't happy with the wage, but they'd rather stay where they are because they like working for you. If they learn that they can earn 10 to 15% or more working for somebody else doing the same job, that's okay. They're going to take it because ultimately they're working for money and that big of a differential, they're just going to have to go. Yeah. I think that's the biggest, to me, the biggest reason for leaving a job is the inconvenience of leaving a job to find another job. And if, but and, and instead, if you have, you know, you already have one in, in the pocket where people are going to be hiring you 10 to 15 percent more. It's still the change of the change of pace. The ch- change of habit is still inconvenient for a lot of people that they would still be a little bit hesitant to do so. But I think in the end, if you just paid them, you know, 10 percent to the compared to the 15 percent of the other job, they would most likely still stay with you right. instead of the other job. Just if, because of the inconvenience of leaving a job. If they're engaged and like you as a manager or business owner or supervisor, and they like their coworkers, mm-hmm. they're going to need a real incentive, more than a 10% bump to leave yeah. because they want to stay there. But when it starts to get 15 and 20%, as we spoke about in our last podcast about this, about the big quit, a great resignation, at 20%, people leave. Yeah. Um, it, Pretty understandable. It's just too much. Yeah. Even if they love where they are, unless unless they're family or there's a, another emotional attachment that's greater than just I like my job and the people I work with. There has to be a real bond there to keep people at 20 percent pay differential. Mm-hmm. But if there's no real bond there, if they're not engaged where they are or they've been looking to leave because they're being treated poorly, coworkers are backstabbing they're going to go at any price differential almost, or even a little less if they feel like they'll be treated better. Yeah, that's for sure. I I definitely have seen that multiple times where people are like, I know I'm getting paid well here, but it ain't worth for the amount of work I'm doing for the amount of stuff I'm taking from the, from the upstairs people. Correct. And it's as simple as treating them like a person that matters that Mm -hmm. simple rather than, a drone or a robot that's there to do a job and get a check and it's not even that matters just uh, treat them like a person that's well, a person a, instead of <laughs> a person that doesn't matter is right you, usually you don't even have to treat them like they're uh, irreplaceable so to speak mm-hmm. just treat them like they're a person right uh, a respected person and you're glad to have them there doing the job as opposed mm-hmm. to having to find another another person in train to do the job Uh, At that point, they become very valuable if they're actually doing the job, which brings me to my personal peeve. And I know it's uh, due to a lot of other people. If you have somebody that's been working for you for five years or more and you're paying them an okay wage and you know you could pay them more, but they seem to be happy with what they're being paid now and you hire somebody new with no experience, good references and you're paying them the same amount or more or close to the same amount as your five-year employee that you truly 
are grateful to have, you are going to have a problem every yeah. time. And you should. Mm-hmm. That means you're overpaying the new hire mm-hmm. or you are definitely underpaying the old veteran who's been helping you out and you owe some loyalty to something is wrong with you as an employer if that happens and that will anger people quicker than many many things no matter how loyal they are because they see that you are not loyal to them and not fair if you're not intrinsically fair no matter how well you treat them because like i said bottom line they're there to make money or they'd be doing something for themselves. Instead, they're doing something for you in exchange for a paycheck. And if they don't think you're loyal to them, they're not going to be around too much longer. Yeah. I mean, that go I should be 101, but I'm sure you that happens quite often because it happens much more often than people realize. And it truly it will say you're paying one person, the veteran, $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. And he's doing a great job or she's doing a great job, been there for five years, started out at $14 an hour, and over a five-year period worked up to $20 an hour. Then you bring this new hire in, and I know there's inflation and things have gone up and you need to pay people more than your past starting wage of $14 an hour. But you pay this new person that the five-year veteran, or five-plus year, could be 10-year veteran, has to train them and they know nothing And it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter if that person you're hiring was your best friend since grade school or a family member. If you're starting them out at $19 an hour and they know nothing and your five-year veteran's making $20 an hour, they and everybody else is going to have an issue. And if you say, well, I told them not, nobody knows how much, they're going to find out. Mm -hmm. They're going to find out how much they're getting paid. It's going to come out. No matter what you think, it's going to come out. They're going to tell each other some kind of way or hint out or somebody's going to see a paycheck or the payroll person's going to let them know or there's going to be an error. It's going to come out. And when that occurs, they're going to be righteously indignant. Mm -hmm. I think that becomes with the trying to make green of the bottom line all the time. They're like, well, we have this good worker, but I don't want to give them any more money because then it makes it look like we're not, we still have to raise their money. So the amount of the amount of surplus we have well, is lower should. at the it, end of the year. If you really want to do it, you could, for example, pay that veteran an extra buck an hour. Pay him 21 if you feel the need to pay your new person 19. I'd say you need to pay him more, at least 22, because now they're training that person. They're doing two jobs as opposed to the one that they were hired to do. Now they're your trainer, unless that's what they are, a trainer. But I doubt it. Most of the time mm. they have multiple hats to wear. But give them a bump and tell them, I'm giving you a bump because I expect you to train this person. If they're a good employee, they'll take it very seriously and you won't have any issues, even when they found out how much getting paid. And they'll be a little, wow, you're getting that much. Like, that's what they pay now. So, well, I just got it. You tell them, I just paid you extra money because I realized you weren't getting paid enough and I wanted you to train this person. And while they may be a little disgruntled, they won't be outraged or indignant and it'll go away because you've shown that you care about them. Right. Yeah, you corrected your wrong, at least, of some you, sort. In some sort of way. Yeah. Exactly right. I but never that, understood the the thought that... I feel like that policy alone of people not being able to talk about how much money they're making in, within the business is already a bad 
There's no law mark. against it. In fact, there's know, a, just policy. Like they just people don't right. want to talk there's about it. There's a company policy, but states actually have laws about employers telling employees they can't discuss how much they get paid. The only time employers don't want to have employees tell each other how much they get paid is when they do things like that. They don't mm -hmm. want people outraged exactly. about the differences in pay. If they were doing fairly, there wouldn't be an issue. I mean, that's already brings a, a bad atmosphere into the into the work environment. Yes, uh, in every alone. way imaginable, uh, mm -hmm. a bad atmosphere. And uh, showing appreciation, like I said, paying them appropriately and just treating them well. If you just do that, you don't necessarily have to have employee parties or vacations given right. away at random events or any of that. You can do a, appreciation in many ways, bringing breakfast to people, paying for lunches, get them, giving them a day off uh, with pay, of course, or what, that's not a real day off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> or anything else. And certainly that will help. All those things help. And if you do that, that will certainly make it easier. But two biggest thing is pay them appropriately, as fairly as you can, and and treat them with respect and you'll go a long way towards them. When I say respect, listening to their issues as well as giving them your orders, you know, mm -hmm. of, of course that's the big one, but those are two things and everyone say, well, everybody says that yes, but everybody doesn't do it. They constantly think of ways to pretend like they're doing it while they're not actually doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's where they run into issues. The last one is offer growth and opportunity, meaning give people the opportunity to advance and let them know they have the real opportunity. If somebody feels they're in a dead-end job, it takes a really certain type of person to want to stay in one place at one job indefinitely. Yeah. For whatever reason, they're satisfied in that position usually because they're doing other things or they are doing that job because they're doing something else and that job serves a need and they have no desire to go forward. So they're happy staying there because that job is simply that job mm -hmm. and their real passion lies somewhere else. Yeah. And it's tough to find people like that. Most people aren't like that. You have to I, give them an avenue for growth. I would argue there's a lot more than you think they're like that. Because I've met those people because I have had jobs where there's 40 year old dude. He's been somewhere for 20 years making only, you know, $17 an hour, you know, and he's now happy doing it. and he's happy doing it. And, uh, and to me, I always try to figure out how these people tick. And the most common reason is they have a terrible past life. Like they had, right. they had prison issues. They had drug issues. Well, that's they had, the, exactly the kind of person that people don't want to usually hire though. Yeah. Funnily enough, if they do take a chance and that's one thing I found, if you can identify people that have for some reason had a checkered past, not due to their own devices or due to a bad position or past life. And they're truly grateful for you to give them a new start mm -hmm. and you can identify that those people are usually more loyal than dogs. Mm -hmm. They will never betray you. They'll be happy working for you forever. The yeah. trick, though, is identifying the people who won't treat you badly as an employer, who will mm -hmm. be genuinely grateful and loyal because you're taking a chance on them. Right. And yeah, they're they're there, but they're hard to find. Um, I just find it unfortunate that those people are still taken advantage of because 
that person never advances anywhere. They're not stupid. They well, can definitely yeah. do the job of the supervisor. And they've been longer there. They're longer than 20 years, but... Yeah, unless they're well-connected politically or some other way, people like that are usually treated pretty poorly uh, for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. And it's a sad situation. Uh, I agree. Uh, but for most people, and those people are a small percentage. Those are maybe like 5% of the people in total. For 95, 98% of the people, they want growth and opportunity. If it's not with you, it's going to be somewhere else. Yeah. I think my biggest one that I've seen people quit uh, quite quickly on is the job or the business prioritizes the business more than people's uh, personal issues when the time arises. Somebody has a family member that's having issues or something and they have to they have right. to leave work for a week or so and they just get rid of that person even though he's been working there for five years, never missed a day. That makes right. no that, sense. That goes back to my respecting employees mm-hmm. And that wasn't listed in that list, which I found a bit surprising. But that falls under the umbrella of you're treating people as people and not Mm -hmm. simply automatons. Now, of course, if you have people who abuse it, their grandmother's been in the hospital (laughs) five times in five weeks, uh, and there's no real issues going on. It's always something. And you have those people. And that's going to bring me to my next point, but it's not on that list, but it's my next point for other, for other employers. Um, sure. Go look, your grandmother's had issues and it's always something different. She's not that old. You know, your grandmother's <laughs> in her fifties and there, there are no prior issues. I'm telling you, this can't continue. Uh, you've left us in the lurch. If you leave that, walk out that door now. I need you now. This is an we can make it up situation. I need you now. And if you're telling me I'm not forcing this on you, you're forcing this on me. We've talked about this before. You know, this is not coming out of the blue. You've had this discussion mm-hmm. and they agree. Then sometimes you have to make the hard choice. But you're right. And if an emergency happens to someone, especially a loyal employee or a good employee or somebody, you know, that wouldn't lie or make up stories. And sometimes some people just have rough lives because they're in a family that has their kids are always in jail. Their husband or their wife always has issues. They always have some sicknesses. And some people just have terrible luck. And everybody knows of these people. And of course, you're going to pay them appropriately and you can't rely on them that much. But if you treat these people poorly, uh, of course, they're going to leave. Yeah. I suspect that employers know this and perhaps they want those people to leave because they're just too much trouble. But I'll yeah. tell you this, the other employees are going to look at that. And if it's a good person, you're doing that too. They know you're not loyal and they're going to start acting differently. I promise. Oh yeah, definitely. They start that, looking around to see a better opportunity. Cause they're going to know, well, I'm next because something may happen to me. I can't depend on these people. Mm-hmm. And that's my point about one of the things about truly respecting your employees is loyalty goes both ways. Mm-hmm. That I think has been lost in the United States and it, it needs to be picked up again and you'll see people stick around. Um, but what I was saying before about employees and one I see employers don't do get rid of the bad employee that all the other employees are aware of and you won't for whatever reason. Yeah. That's a big one. 
it's it's an every single every business I've been in every single everywhere one everyone has, I've has seen at too. least one or two bad apples. And, and everybody like, knows how it. are you still hired? How are you still employed? Everybody knows it. And other people get fired for doing one tenth of what the other people have done. And that makes it worse. Yeah. Get rid of the truly bad ones that everyone knows about. Mm-hmm. That's that's half of your job, not only just appreciating good employees, but pairing out the bad ones. And nobody wants to do that. Typically, it's because they're related to somebody <laughs> that seems important and they want or to. It. Or they brown nose. Or they brown nose because you don't really know, but everybody else knows. And if you watch behavior around people, if it's someone that's been there for a couple of years and nobody talks to them but you as the owner or manager, and that person doesn't talk to anybody else but you as the owner or manager, there's a real problem. Right. That's a very simple one to spot. And like you said, it's in every place you see, there's always one and everybody else hates them. Mm -hmm. And it's because typically they're being treated badly by that person. Mm -hmm. They're claiming accolades that aren't theirs. They're claiming things because you don't know any better. You're talking to that one person, that one person's taking up all your time and you're not connecting enough with the other employees to know differently. That's a big sign. Yeah. Yeah. Either, either they're treating other people poorly and getting away with it, or they can obviously see the imbalance of treatment of the owner treating that person favorably, comparatively to everybody else. It makes no sense. Right. When that person is typically treating everyone else badly. Mm-hmm. Or know? just, or just lackadaisical with their work environment or, or they right. just don't get things done. As right. Everybody should. else has to pull their weight or the person's rude to them or lies about them to make himself or herself seem better to the mm-hmm. other person. Everybody knows who that is. I promise you every place has it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you're an employee, listen to this and you're thinking, well, my place doesn't have a person like that. It's probably you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just won't allow yourself to, everybody knows who it is. Any place with more than 10 people, there's a person like that there. Yeah. Yeah, even less than that. <laughs> but certainly 10, at least mm-hmm. 10 employees. If there's at least 10 employees, there's somebody like that there. Yeah, it's riddled in family-owned businesses. Right, and that's the uh, re- relative thing I was speaking of, and you can't overcome that. But the thing is, the employer really needs to look out for that. And if you don't have the ability, for whatever reason, to terminate that employee, at least don't let them be in charge of anybody else. Make them report directly to you and don't allow them to supervise anybody else. Give them a task or a job that's very specific and has no authority over anyone else. And that'll make things much, much smoother. And that will allow your job, your business to work so much better. And the employees will thank you for it because they only have to deal with that person for a specific thing or task. And they don't have to take orders from that person who knows nothing. Because they spend all their time, you know, brown nosing with the boss or talking down other employees or spying on them when they don't know what's going on or making statements about things they know nothing about. So don't put them in charge of anything, you know, simply give them a job. That was probably the biggest one was uh, working in in a family owned business. And you know which one it was. And and Mm -hmm. Hammond Mm -hmm. was the daughter of the owner would constantly 
give her advice on things or she has no experience in the job at all and she would constantly tell people how to do things and we just have to sit there because she's the daughter's boss we'd have to sit there and oh yeah that's a great idea we'll get right on that and then as soon as like that was the dumbest thing i could have ever Uh, thought to do that makes no sense to what we do well i'll see it from me where it was a government organization and it was a political hire and the person was well educated they were an attorney but knew nothing. They were a failed attorney in two previous things and, and were moved to that political appointment from another political appointment. Well, all they did was research. And prior to that, it was in a title business, title insurance, which is nothing. The clerks do all the work. The secretaries do all the work. They just go over it and sign off on it and knew nothing but put them in charge of an entire office and started telling everybody what to do, but had no idea what to do in the first place other than a vague idea verbally given to them and had no reference, but immediately started making changes and didn't even really know what they were changing and was frustrated and angry that everybody was incompetent, but they were the incompetent ones because they didn't know what was actually going. They had no base or reference to go from, Mm. but because of that connection, they were praised for making those changes that were long overdue. It's unbelievable. And the other piece, people didn't know any better either because they had none of it done the job. So it, it can really get out of control there. And you'll have unhappy people guaranteed after that. And it would just continue. And the thing of it is, those people have been doing the job for quite some time. So they'll make it work regardless. Regardless right. of anything that people in upper senior management do, they'll make it work because they're, they're actually doing the job. That person's not doing the job. They're just changing the guidelines. Mm-hmm. So they'll make it happen. But it could have been so much easier for everyone concerned. Just tweak it here, move things there, add something here a little over time. Instead of wholesale changes and, and recommendations, which they had no real idea about. Or worse, they take it from something else they had done in the past. And they're... They forget they're actually regulating the industry that they were a part of, as opposed to doing that industry, not a private concern. So it's pretty remarkable. And everybody praises that person, but they have no clue, really, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on. I I find that pretty funny. Not for the people involved, but the perception of the whole thing. Uh, The fifth one in that list that I mentioned earlier was encourage a corporate explorer mindset which i find actually part of the problem and you're looking like what does that mean like corporate explore corporate explore mindset and that that can be summed up and i know people will argue with me i looked up the context of what that meant and then several definitions and that seems to be a cutesy way of saying a company man somebody who's devoted to the company or willing to put the company first in some situations or understand that the company is a business and needs to be prioritized in their work. And that way they can understand their role. And what that's saying is promote the fact that the company needs to be adhered to and policies understood and adhered to, and the employees need to take a more company first attitude in their job. That is yeah, that's old the school worst advice. Be. But, you know, it's not the worst advice um, only because without a business, nobody has a job. 
I think sure. the way the way it's written, it's trying to downplay that uh, as that's really what's going on. But that's really what's going on when they say that. Corporate explorer implies that learning about the company and how it works as a corporation or a business, but there's more to it than that. It's, that's, I mean, that's a very specific type of occupation to be able to pull that off and have that as as a forefront of your mindset to be able to to do in your and make that a part of your culture because anybody with a skill set can just leave that business that's having that culture and go somewhere where they're more accepted well that's what i'm saying it's really a euphemism for be a company person mm-hmm. that, that's it's it's written in a way to make it seem like it's not really that because it has horrible connotations but that's really what they mean by that and what they mean by that is placing the business forefront in your mind when you're working at all times being loyal to the company and truly there does need to be a little bit of that because without the business nobody's working mm-hmm. the trick is it needs to go both ways we're talking about retaining employees and what what they're saying is make your employees look at the greater purpose and as if they're a part of something larger than themselves so that they're more willing to stay that's a touch of propaganda and brainwashing right. <laughs> brainwashing there and that's and- really they will say that's not what we meant, but that's exactly what you're doing. You can characterize it any way you want to, even as a corporate explorer. But, <laughs> but they could argue it the other way because people do need to understand that they are one part of the cog of the machine. And I get that, that it's a good idea to say, okay, I not only am I indispensable to keep that in mind, but also I don't need to do everything myself. There's other people to do their job. I think there's a, right. there's a lot of that good that comes with that mindset. Sure. But... That's what I'm saying. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm saying. That it's a, it's truly also... a two-way street. And that, yeah. But the part of that is nobody is insignificant. Let them know that. That's part of your engagement with your employees and, tr- and, retreating, and treating them respectfully and as people and let them know how well they're doing. But I would let them show them what they're doing and how it impacts the bottom line. I was all about, look, see what you did here. Look what happened because of what you did. It was all your work. Without your work, this couldn't have happened. And that's really what helps that corporate explorer mindset. Let them know what impact they really have mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things and show what they do really contributes. Yeah, express gratitude might be a better way of saying nope, that. that's not what they mean. Promote corporate explore mindset and that's all about um letting them know that the company is bigger than them and you know what's funny is um my my biggest pet peeve of jobs and and going into new jobs and and being wary of joining a new job is how many textbook uh, co-workers do i have how many people are going to do everything by the book even though it is inefficient. It becomes inefficient. It becomes, to a point, becomes unsafe because it doesn't right. make any sense into the situation. Right. And, and and that's a concern, but I'll tell you this, as a new person, you should be doing it by the book until you learn why they're doing it by the book. Because often things are done a specific way for a specific reason, and you don't know anything yet because you're new. So once I can you understand- either way about that. I understand where you're coming from. And usually... Right. That is the, that is the usual mindset you should take because mm-hmm. right you should learn how to do it right in general start. in general yeah. yeah sure now if something's obviously unsafe that's a whole different story mm-hmm. but I mean in general you 
you're talking about making changes and you have no idea why they do it this way in the first place. Right. Typically it's because there's a bigger picture and you're doing it a particular way contributes to the entire picture of what you're not aware yet, mm-hmm. but you, sh- you will see it later. If you mm-hmm. do it differently, there'll be missing information or there'll be things done in a manner that's detrimental to the entire organization that you don't know about yet, but it'll come up later because you didn't do it the way they wanted you to do it. Right. So that, that's typically why it's done a particular way. And you'll find out over time, usually fairly quickly, like when the first few months or even that day, if it's really bad. Uh, but usually in the first, first few months, you'll find out why. Not to say that never happens because that does mm-hmm. happen where I'm like, why do we do it this way? And then you mm-hmm. oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But m- to me, more often than not, it, it's unnecessary steps we're taking right now. It seems that way. Lots of times it's legacy steps that are left over and people don't understand why they were there in the first place and they just stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with asking questions uh, unless you have a supervisor that's overworked and you're like constantly asking them questions and the supervisor says, look, I know you got a ton of questions, but please do us both a favor in the first two weeks. Just do everything the way I tell you, because you don't know enough to even ask a right question. Right. And that's kind of how I am, because I'll tell you why. I'm the same way. I'm a question asker. And I realize me asking questions, making my job in there is 10 times harder. Mm-hmm. So I learned to just shut up for the first few weeks and just do it. Then after everybody's comfortable and I'm contributing in a way that makes our jobs easier, I start asking questions. I noticed right. this. I noticed that. Why do we do it this way when it seems that? Because I don't even know why things are done that way yet. So why? What am I asking about? Mm-hmm. So that that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go about it. I, I'm just going on the on the aspect of when you are there for a while and you have a supervisor who doesn't even listen to any other yeah, approach to the situation. That's a real problem. That and that goes to that listening to your employees and respecting your employees in some way. There's nothing wrong with having a, a frank discussion with your employee who's a pain in the behind and things they know everything and you tell them look man i know you've been going after me about this and i've been trying to ignore you or let it slide but i'm going to tell you now we do it this way and give them the reason respect them enough to tell them the full reason and then you can say and i don't want to hear about it anymore (laughs) because (laughs) unless something changes this is the way it's going to continue and you talking about it is just going to aggravate you me and everybody else so why don't we let this drop unless you can come up with a better reason Mm -hmm. and then just that's it. You told them you respect them enough to talk to them and tell them and let them know what's going on. Cause honestly, they don't know. They have no idea how they're impacting you or what's going on. They're thinking this particular thing and you need to let them know that what they're thinking is not correct and why, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't like it, but they typically will get over it and they'll at least respect me for telling them that rather than just ignoring them or as some places like, you know what? I don't want to hear it anymore and turn around and walk off. Don't mention it again. You never give them any explanation whatsoever. Right. Which I've seen. And I know you've seen too. That to me is far worse. Yeah. Yeah. The completely dismissive approach mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. definitely the worst one. Unless they're intentionally aggravating you, you know, <laughs> doing something, then you can, you know, of course you say what you need to, to let them know that, what they're doing is not appreciated. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the last one in that list of six is provide inspiration. And which is 
qu quite interesting. Uh, I find the best way you can do that is lead by example, if you're allowed to, depending upon how high you are up in the organization. Sometimes people above you will stop you from leading. They want to pretend like you're the leader, but they won't let you move out of their block they've set up. You are trapped in this small square and you step outside that and they will land upon you with the fury of a thousand sons for, mm -hmm. <laughs> for thinking about doing something without their permission or something outside of what they are aware of or what they have said grace over. And if that's the case, you're a little bit stuck. The only example you can have is to show how good you are at doing these repetitious things that they told you to do or whatever particular thing they told you to do and right. let them know, hey, this is what we were hired to do. This is all we're hired to do. And this is what we need to do. Um, yeah, that's a rough spot to be in because mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact people just don't appreciate the 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 unspoken guy that gets everything done. They just don't understand. They just don't acknowledge that person more often. They than don't not. even know it because you don't say anything. Yeah, because it's not a problem because he's getting no, it done. Things get done. Yeah, and they're just happy about it, right? The only way the smarter ones realize over time that we haven't had any issues over there. It's been real quiet over there because there are no problems. Typically, the only time you hear about a place is when there are real problems. If you're constantly hearing about one division or office, it's because there's problems over there. <laughs> right. So the strategy is to be a little bit, little bit incompetent in the beginning and then show improvement. And that'll get you in good graces. <laughs> uh, that's a gamble that I don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have seen some people execute that to an excellent degree uh, yeah. and come out smelling like a rose. But those people would have come out smelling like a rose anyway because they had somebody's attention to begin with. Right. Um, so I I would say, you know, just be a good person, do your job. You know, right. That's it, it, and if, if the people in charge really know what's going on, they'll realize it. Mm -hmm. You know, they will. Yeah, it's, it's far and few between where you find somebody who, actually puts forth effort into their job so no i think more they, people do noticed. it than want to admit it but um yesterday uh in fortune magazine i believe that it said that only three percent of white collar workers want to return to the office full time that means a full 86 percent plus of employees want to work from home at least two days a week and the management consultancy advanced workplace associate said after surveying nearly 10,000 people around the globe. Well, that leaves a, an 11% difference of something else. You just don't want to be a white collar worker anymore. Right. <laughs> I mean, they have <laughs> other people said, no, they wouldn't mind coming back into the office. Gotcha. You know, um, but 86 plus percent people said they'd rather do some sort of working from home at least two days a week. And some of them said they didn't want to come back at all. Uh, they just wanted, there's no reason why we, we've been doing this for a year and a half, two years. Why do we need to disrupt this? Mm -hmm. I'm saving time and money in the commute. You're getting everything you need. Mm -hmm. So what's the problem? And yeah, I'm, we're saving electricity in the office. Less and if, lights yeah, on. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to rent as much space. You can rent your, you can sublet your offices out if you want. Um, yeah. All sorts of stuff. Cut down on gas, cut down on attention. You'll find a lot of people all of a sudden 
aren't calling in sick as often because they don't have issues at home. They have to coordinate with the job. They can just take care of it while they're working from home. Yeah, I need a meetup for face to face. We can go to a hotel. They got conference rooms there. Rent oh, that you can room. Go to any place, you know, <laughs> uh, like right we're doing right now. Uh, that's right. really how it was doing in a lot of places. So yeah, if they wanted uh, people in person, you know, flesh right. and blood right next to them, I suppose they could do that way. Right, right, right. Uh, Boardpanda.com has a thing that says this: a CEO tells employees go somewhere else if they want to work from home, and they understood the assignment. Meaning, if you want to, if you don't want to come back to work, you need to leave. Right. And funnily enough, in this particular article on Board Panda, many of those people were hired with the agreement that you'd never have to go into the office during the pandemic. Like we figured out a way that all everybody could do their work. You don't have to worry about it. But some people are old school and insist they want behinds in chairs yeah and if they're not doing it you find another job it really makes no sense to me it truly makes no sense to me that they are getting the same very old mindset yeah they're getting the same amount of work done what my thing is yeah my thing is uh that's the kind of person who believes that if they're not in the office then they're not doing work which is you can easily absolutely false consideration right. you can easily track people and how much work they do now and most yep. software programs it's yes every keystroke programs that do yes there's no excuse for that in my mind and if they're doing that they're gonna find they have a very difficult time holding employees and i'm sure that's contributing with that last uh, statement we made about 86 percent plus of employees want to be able to work from home and you have a ceo and he's not the only one that says come back or quit essentially then you're creating a situation and i'm sure that is contributing to the great resignation because mm-hmm. people don't understand it and they realize this guy's just being a jerk i don't want to work for somebody who's like that and that's not what we agreed to when i was hired in the first place right so um in fact um they're finding out that uh Goldman and Sachs Group parceled out nearly half a billion dollars in special stock bonuses to its partners, and Citigroup paid out $3 billion more to its employees than it did in 2020, and that's all in an effort to keep employees to to stay. Some companies can't get employees to stay even when they throw millions at them, and the reason why is their restrictive manner of employment. Mm-hmm. And they're just tired of it. If you don't feel like you're being treated in a fair manner, whatever that is, if you don't feel like you're being treated in a fair manner, you're going to look for other employment. Or you realize, you know, my job is just paper shuffling and purposeless money making, and it doesn't contribute to my life at all. Right. I want to do something else. And we talked about that in our last podcast, too. Mm-hmm. They just feel like they're just not doing anything with any real purpose or intent. And they're not gonna put up with somebody treating them badly on top of it. If you feel hollow inside about your job and you're gonna be treated badly, even if you're being paid very, very well, eventually you're gonna leave. Well, it goes back to the original point. The standard has changed and people 
are now saying, well, I know I'm getting a paid 10%, 15% more if I stay here, but the inconvenience of me having to commute to work, commute back from work is, is more than I am willing to bargain for to take a 15% cut well, for somebody that won't make me do that. Especially if it's t- completely unnecessary. And I think right. that's what we're talking about, the fairness of it. It's like, well, what's unfair about wanting someone to come into the office? Well, they don't need to come into the office. Why are you making them come in just to suit your own uh, fossilized mindset of how you think work should be done, Uh, which goes to respecting your employees? Be flexible. Say, why don't you want to come in? And they give you this list of reasons. Say, okay, if you can do the job from your house, I'm more than willing to let you, but I'm going to expect these things and I'm not going to tolerate any excuses. If you have internet problems, on your end, that's your problem, and you need to take care of it immediately. Right. If your, cable, if your internet provider constantly goes down, I'm going to hold you accountable. And it goes, it's not my fault. It is your fault if you had the option to be in the office and you chose not to do it. Yeah, and you that's know. pretty reasonable. I know a lot of people are going to be upset about that, but if you have a known issue of your internet going out or why didn't some you fix type it? of connectivity issue, why didn't you, you get just, another company? Right. You There's should just so go many to the office. Right. There's <laughs> right. And you chose not to. You, I don't want to hear any excuses. We're doing this as a privilege. Mm-hmm. And one of the things for you working here is you are able to connect anytime we need you to. Now, of course, if the problem is on the company's issue about connectivity because their IT department is garbage, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And they could tell you that. Say, look, we can't have people working from home because our IT department is in disarray. We need to completely redo this and we're going to lose a month of productivity. You stay at home. Yeah, we just Our can't, servers can't keep up with it. Right. We just can't do it. That's a different thing. Tell them that. All you need to do is tell them that. But of course, that is not the issue at hand. The issue at hand is they simply want people at their desk, period. And they don't care why. And that well, they, seems they, a bit unfair. They bought that multi-billion dollar uh, building up in, right. you know, up in New York City. And they want hey, people there. You could sublease it. You could rent out offices. You could actually make more money and yeah. make people happy if you take a little bit of enterprise and thought in the entire situation. Yeah. So, or rent or have less offices uh, for your overhead. You could save overhead in your budgeting. There, you could, There's all sorts of things you could do. That's being completely inflexible and forcing your way upon people who know better. And I think that's why a lot of white collar workers simply aren't tolerating because they're aware. This can be done differently and you're simply being a jerk and you're being unfair about it. And I'm not going to put up with it, Uh, especially if they have a job where they don't feel like they're doing anything of any real contribution to society or the, or anybody else, except you who's a jerk and they don't (laughs) care for it. So they're going to (laughs) leave. Right. Well, I feel like that was uh, a good talk on that. Yeah, I think so too. And I hope, uh, we're able to help some people out uh, or at least make people think. So what's our next podcast about? Uh, Romantic relationships. Yeah. How we view romantic relationships. I am sure that uh, the dating scene, I have a fiance now, but I was dating after your mother and I divorced many, many years ago for quite some time. And I'm sure how I look at romantic relationships is entirely different than how you look at romantic relationships or how we treat them. But then again, you know, it's still, um, 
a male perspective. <laughs> right. It's a male perspective and we're both hetero. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, similar views, I'm sure. In the yeah. The generation thing. difference is going to be quite significant still. I think so. I think so. And how we get along with each other, how we approach each other and our expectations of each other. I think the biggest difference is probably going to be the expectations of the women with us, perhaps, as opposed to, um, but that's as individual as it is generational. So I think that's going to be a a great podcast and a good talk for both of us, because we really don't know what we're going to say to each other about this, but we're going to go down there quite some time. So for our next podcast, please join us. I'm Boomer X. And I'm Millennial Z. And I'll see y'all next time. Thanks for joining. Please watch us on YouTube and listen to us on all the podcast applications. We're on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify, of course. Radio (laughs) Public. uh, Podcatcher now. That's that's the latest one. iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. We're on a bunch of them. So please listen and uh, go to our pod page. And you can see us there. Please subscribe. Take care, everybody.